We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Sean Davis here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. It's second round time. The Lakers, after starting off 2-10, and 10, being the seven seed, the underdogs against the Memphis Grizzlies. They beat the Grizzlies in six, and now the matchup is set. Warriors, Lakers, second round. So that's not enough of a – it's too big to discuss for just myself. So we brought on the entire – not the entire, but a lot of the Lakers Nation staff. We have our editor extraordinaire, Daniel Starkin, Ron Gutterman, and Corey Hans for joining me. What's up, guys? How are we feeling? Doing good. I, I, you're doing a nice little Trevor impression to start this off here. I feel like, this <laughs> like the little Spider-Man looking up at the big one. So uh, in case anyone, did, anyone didn't know, Trevor's a little under the weather today. That's why we're all here filling in. Yeah. Corey, how are we doing, bro? I'm excited. You know, we, we talked about who who we wanted to see in the second round. This, this was my choice. Um, I may come to regret that choice. But I'm still I'm still confident right now. So for the time being, I can remain confident. Awesome. What about yeah, you, Ron? Good, as good as I'm doing, Adam Silver's doing way better because he <laughs> he pressed the Lakers Warriors button when that first round bracket came out and, and he got what he wanted. So this is kind of the the dream marquee matchup for them. Uh I you know, I can't believe that the most interesting second round matchup is a seven versus a six, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Before we dive into three, all that, we got monitor. three marquee matchups in the second round this year. Heat, yeah. <laughs> Heat Knicks, you can throw back. Sure. Sixers, uh, Sixers Celtics has a lot of no. history. So and Man, then listen. somewhere out there the, the eight seeded Heat are gonna just go, go to the finals. So you know you can't forget Ron's nuggets e- either. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow nuggets oh, nuggets homer me apparently is what i've come <laughs> out on twitter nuggets and uh nuggets winning it all wrong you can't say that surely not here no i i got i i mean i i have nuggets in the finals i've had nuggets in the finals since the preseason i'm sticking okay. to it uh so you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna back off my take I will Ron. say I saw Ron. I saw Ron at Game Four, Lakers Grizzlies, and he was wearing a Lakers jersey. So we could we could just clear oh, that wow. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do still root for the Lakers primarily. <laughs> primarily. All right. Before we get into everything, quick reminder: please do subscribe right here to the Lakers AC YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well. It's a great way to stay up to date with our latest content and coverage. I know personally, I have like two more videos planned to come up, hopefully before the start of Game One. 
throughout and a ton of more content from a bunch of us over at Lakers Nation. So stay up to date with our latest content. Let's start off with this series. I mean, I guess we could kind of start off like maybe the biggest X factor because there's just too much to break down with this series. So whether it's a certain player, a matchup, uh, something that either team might try to do, what is the biggest X factor for you guys heading into this second round matchup? Uh, let's start off with Daniel. Daniel, what's your biggest X factor? Um, I, I think I'll go with probably the most obvious one. I think it's Anthony Davis. Um, we saw, you know, in this last series, Looney had a, had a really good round for, for the Warriors, but I think uh, AD and the Lakers present a much different challenge for him in the Warriors' front line, which outside of him, you know, you got undersized Draymond and, and not a whole lot of size off the bench. So if AD could really come out and be – the aggressive AD that we get, you know, probably on a, a game-to-game basis. If he could do that consistently, um, maybe get Looney in foul trouble so the Warriors need to go small, and that way the Lakers could, you know, really attack them in the paint. Um, I, I think that's going to be the key to this series. Ron? Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of the – you're right. That's kind of the obvious one. A little bit of an underrated one that I've been thinking about is – uh, what is Jared Vanderbilt's role in this series? Um, is he is he a guy that you just stick on Andrew Wiggins? If you do that, you kind of take away what he does best, which is kind of like, uh, you know, taking away primary ball handlers and making them, you know, forcing them into bad decisions, forcing them into kind of dribbling out the shot clock, what he did against John Morant so well. But do you put him on Steph Curry? Because that presents a much different battle than what Jared Vanderbilt was dealing with against John Morant. Or is this not really much of a Jared Vanderbilt series and we see a lot more Dennis Schroeder, which I think is perfectly in the realm of possibility. I think what happens with his minutes is something I'm definitely going to be watching throughout the series. I think it's a fascinating thing that's probably on the more under like under the radar side, you know, as opposed to like the AD Draymond Looney matchup or who guards LeBron or what they do there. What about you, Corey? Kind of, kind of to... Uh piggybacking off what Ron said, I think kind of the the benches of both teams and each coach kind of finding that rotation that they could work with because both the Lakers and the Warriors had issues kind of figuring out, okay, is this guy going to play? What are we going to get for the Lakers? Obviously, we've gotten basically nothing from Malik Beasley or Troy Brown in the series. Uh, I mean, excuse me, in the first round series. And the Warriors were Jordan Poole up and down. They throw Moses Moody out there, Kaminga, different guys, just kind of seeing – where they're going to uh, – what they're going to get from each of the different role players. So, to me, uh, kind of seeing which of those kind of underused role players steps up, to me, might make the difference in the series. I'm going to agree with Daniel, but for a different reason. I'm going to go AD, but because my entire defensive game plan for this series, go figure, revolves around Anthony Davis being able to blow up certain stuff. AD, I expect to get bare minimum 20 and like 12, hopefully more than 20 and 12, to be quite honest. But for me personally, with the game plan I put together, I need AD to be game six AD, which in my opinion, top five greatest defensive performance I've ever seen. So high standard, but um, AD for the defense and how I want to use them. All right, so... The biggest question that I see a lot floating around on Lakers Twitter or just social media general is Steph Curry, who has been phenomenal this postseason run. If he was healthy, maybe has a hat in the MVP argument of Golden State's better season. Who knows? But how do you guard Steph? And more importantly, who do you match up with Steph Curry? 
Uh, we could go to Corey first on this one. Um, how do you guard St- Steph Curry? You pray. Um, that's that's <laughs> number one. A, I, I, a whole lot. That's starting and ending point. I don't know. We've been asking this question for about a decade now, and we haven't figured it out because he's somehow gotten better. Um, you can't. It used to be you could be physical with him. You can't do that anymore. He's a lot stronger. He can take the bumps. He's better at finishing at the rim now while still being the greatest shooter we've ever seen in the history of this game. Um, I think you have to at least start Vanderbilt on him because, as you pointed out earlier, that's kind of his role. Like, if he's not going to do that, then it becomes a question of basically, is he going to be playable in the series? So you at least have to at least uh, start with that. And I agree that this feels like um it could be more of a Dennis Schroeder series than a D'Angelo series because I'm I've been sitting thinking for the last 24 hours I don't know who you put D'Angelo Russell on um it's it may be Clay because he hasn't been as great that's what I'm thinking but if you can't figure that out or if Clay starts being back to Clay again you might have an issue um which makes again makes Steph even more dangerous but uh, to me, it's it's got to be those same two. You know, maybe if Malik Beasley could hit just like two threes, you could just throw him out there just to have someone a little who's a little quick and, and can go around there, uh, get through screens. But, yeah, you've got to at least give Vanderbilt the start on it. What about you, Ron? Yeah, I think I think Vanderbilt's got to be the, the first option. But, I, you know, one thing that I, I like about the Lakers' side of this matchup is – Compared to the Kings, compared to the Nuggets, compared to the Suns, if we look at the other three teams still in the West, I think the Lakers have the the most amount of options to throw at Steph Curry. Obviously, nothing's going to work super well because he's Steph Curry and nothing has ever worked super well. Um, but I think if you look at the Lakers, I think they have the, the highest number of options of any team really left in, in, in the playoffs with the exception of maybe the Celtics. Um, I think between Dennis Schroeder and Jared Vanderbilt and Austin Reeves, you have three guys that are sort of at least somewhat capable for a couple possessions in a row to slow him down. I don't know that you're ever going to see the same guy guarding Curry for more than like a handful of possessions because he's just going to, he takes so much out of a defender, the way he moves off the ball. Uh, You know, there was a play in game seven that was like so ridiculous, but only Steph could really do it. Um, he's just run, he's doing his usual thing where he's running around and then he gets the ball in the corner after running around the half court, I think two or three times gets the ball in the corner, fakes left drives baseline. And instead of just like going up normally, like a normal player would do, he runs pretty much with the ball to the other corner, then turns around, goes right over the top and then puts up like an off balance floater in the lane and drills it. I'm like, literally, what, five players in NBA history can do this? Um, so no one's really going to be successful in guarding him. But I think between the three options of Schroeder, Vanderbilt, Reeves, you have enough for a couple possessions at a time to keep someone fresh on him at all times. And that's kind of the only way, uh, you know, besides prayer, like Corey said, that you're really going to have a chance. Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys here. I think Vanderbilt is, you know, the huge 
key here. Um, you know, if he's not going to be able to guard Steph Curry, then kind of like Corey said, like what's really his role in this series? Like, you know, they're going to sag off him uh, offensively. So if he if he's not able to chase Steph around like that, then I do think you do see a lot more Dennis minutes. I'd say I probably don't want Austin on Steph like as much. I know it's going to happen at some points, but I just think with his role offensively, with him being more of a primary ball handler, it takes a lot of energy to to chase Steph around, you know, through those screens on the defensive end. So I think I know Austin is capable of doing that, but I really just don't want him gassed. He's played the most minutes for the Lakers so far in the postseason. Like he's playing, you know, 38, 40 minutes a game. Um, and, and I just don't want him chasing Steph Curry around all that all that much. So I, I think Vando is going to be the key there. If he could handle it. Uh, then that's great. You know, that's size to throw on Curry. That's some length to throw on him. Um, but if not, I do think we're going to see a lot of a lot of Dennis in this series. Okay, this is where there's going to be disconnect, and I'm going to piss off a lot of Laker fans in the comments. So come at me in the comments, this or come at me fun. on my Twitter. My mentions <laughs> are open. I, that's all I do on Twitter nowadays is piss people off. I'm doing Reeves on Steph. And I'm actually in agreement with Corey. He kind of mentioned it with D'Lo on clay. Hear me out. Steph, Vando is a lot better if you have a player that is heavy one-on-one ISO. Vando does have a ton of great screen navigation. Golden State, they don't, in terms of comparatively speaking to the rest of the NBA, they run less ball screens. But Steph, and like purse energy, right? Steph Curry is 13, there's like 13.5 maybe scoring possessions per game. So, a shot attempt, foul, turnover, something of that nature on Steph Curry ball screens, right? On Steph Curry isolations, it's like two possessions a game, two scoring possessions a game. So basically my point is you're utilizing Bando for two possessions, at his best two possessions a game, maybe a little bit more, maybe it's four or whatever, right? Who knows? But, and then you're not even counting in some of the off ball screen stuff that they run a ton for Steph, which accounts for, I think, 14% of Steph's. Uh, offense if I recall correctly I'll fact check that in my Steph video but I'm going Reeves because Reeves is just better in terms of screen navigation that's what I'm more concerned about at least in that starting group when you get to like some Dennis minutes and Dennis and Reeves are on the floor or Austin and Troy are on the floor at the same time then that's when I probably give Reeves a break and let one of those other guys who also have good screen navigation guard Steph but again that's just based off how I've seen on tape and I know I'm going to piss some people off because Bando, there's some stuff going around on Bando, like a minute or so clips of Bando doing fine on stuff. Sure. Like if they decide to go ISO heavy, which just isn't how Golden State plays, then you make an adjustment in game and say, okay, here you go, Bando, go guard Steph 94 feet. But with the knowledge that that's likely not what they're going to do, I lean Reeves. But I definitely understand the concerns that Daniel brought up, but Go ahead and uh, slander me and call me an idiot for for that day. <laughs> well, yeah. Let me just be clear. I do think Reeves is probably the best option. I just don't want him dead on the offensive end where his role is just as important, if not more important, in this series. But I definitely think if you're for all the reasons you kind of just mapped out, like I don't think Vando is the perfect option for Steph. Like he's not really known to chase around screens like that, and I, I do think Reeves is capable of doing that. But I, I just think just to conserve Reeves' energy more, I, I think that's going to have to be Vando. It, if not, then Vando's going to be, you know, on the bench for most of the series, like like some of you guys have said. So I, I do think Reeves, like, you know, in a perfect world, he's able to take on that matchup. I just don't know if he can. We'll see. I, I think he'll get the task at points, and, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I do also, wonder if, if we end up with uh, like a, a lineup combination of of Dennis, Austin Reeves, and Rui Hachimura with Rui Hachimura guarding Andrew Wiggins, uh, Reeves on Clay, and Dennis on Steph. Uh, preserve Reeves's energy by kind of Clay's not running around the same way he used to. He has never dribbled basketballs uh, routinely during games. <laughs> That's never been his thing. So. Austin Reeves can kind of just like be a uh, you know stand up defender, not have to do too too much, uh, just keep him off his spots, which is obviously more uh, easier said than done. But still, you have Rui uh, for Wiggins, which that's kind of like Wiggins' style of offense matches into what Rui does well defensively, which is sort of keeping a man in front, uh, you know, kind of forcing him into those like one dribble pull up type things, not really letting him do too much off the ball. I think that's what Rui does best there. And then Dennis is kind of your chase Steph around guy, which, yeah, it'll it'll probably take him out of the game uh, offensively because he will just be too gassed to do anything. Um, but if you're asking me, who do I prefer to be, you know, sort of tired on the offensive end, Dennis or Reeves, I'm preferring Dennis because I want Reeves at his best. That's kind of the lineup combination I see coming up more frequently uh, just because D'Lo and Vando, if they're not, if they're not really at their best on one, on their good end of the floor, D'Lo offensively, Vando defensively, it becomes hard to see how they how they play a role in this series, like in a 35-minute-a-night capacity. And then the other thing that concerns me with Reese potentially guarding Steph is just is a lot of opportunity to pick up bad cheap fouls. Going around a bunch of screens, having to cut back and forth. Oh, he beat me, grabs, you know, all those little things, you know, run into a screen. It might go one way or the other way, it goes on Reeves. Like that, all those things can just Reeves picking up two quick cheap fouls in the first four minutes um, is not something that I want to see because then you're looking at extended minutes for guys who have been up and down to be kind so far in these playoffs and I don't want none of us want some seven or eight minute stretch of Troy Brown or Malik Beasley or <laughs> we don't want this right now and Reeves being in foul trouble makes that a uh, much more of a likely possibility and that no just please no real, real quick I do I do think Troy Brown like on the defensive end would be yeah. like you know, someone you could use this series. He he's shown in the regular season, um, in the Lakers Warriors games that he can, you know, chase around stuff. He does have some length, but if he shot the way he shot in the last series, um, I don't I don't know if he'll be playable. I think he'll get a chance in the early games of the series just for his defense. Um, and we'll see if he can, you know, at least knock down a few shots to be at least, you know, respectable on that end. It's interesting, yeah. by the way. I just want to point out like we did this whole conversation about like the defensive game plan. And not one mention of Jordan Poole, which that that should tell you everything you need to know about how Jordan Poole played in round one. We he'll still have one game where he drops thirty for sure. Oh <laughs> he'll have one game, but man, yeah, Jordan Poole got to be one of the most frustrating players I've, yeah. I've ever watched. But that, it's just wanted to point that out. We had like a eight minute discussion, and literally his name was not mentioned even one time. So. One of my questions, this is a question to you guys, because I'm curious what you guys feel. How much stock do you all put in the fact that the Lakers did win the regular season series three games to one? Do you put any stock into it at all, or is it just maybe more process-based things or nothing at all? N nothing at all for me. I, I, Yeah, I mean, I think 
two of those games were without Steph. Uh, I think one of those games was with Russell Westbrook. Uh, and oh, man, I think yeah. there was LeBron one didn't play for two One was without one, yeah, because that's LeBron the picture of, yeah. of AD yelling in Draymond's face and Braun, like, being the hype man <laughs> in the court. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That was the last game when Steph played. It was, but it was literally the game Steph came back from his extended absence. Yeah, that's right. Like, he still kind of went off though, but yeah, he definitely. <laughs> I, I, just, I don't take honestly, and I said this. Um, I I recorded with Trevor, um, right before the the playoffs started, um, and I said just in general, like in any matchup, forget the Lakers specifically, regular season matchups mean pretty much nothing to me at this point, um, just because. In almost every regular season series, you can look at at least two or three of the games where this star was missing. This star didn't play really at all. Like they, this person did this, or this team made this trade. Like it, regular season matchups mean less and less. And I feel like this is just a whole new ballgame. And that's what makes it so exciting because it's like these two teams really are kind of at full strength now, at, at their best. They look great. Steph is like, otherworldly Steph right now. It, it, I think it's going to be a super fun series for that reason. And, and just to add on to that, and, and Sean could speak to this more, but in the regular season, there's not a whole lot of game planning that goes on. Like, yeah, you you know, you got 24 hours to prepare for your next opponent or whatever, and then you're on to the next one. Like in a series, in a seven game series, there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be adjustments to the adjustments. You're going to adjust to what they're doing. So the, things are going to change from game to game and everyone's just a lot more locked in compared to the regular season. And not to mention, um, if we're really wanting to think about regular season, how many road wins did the Warriors have in the regular season? <laughs> 11. They got two. <laughs> and they, so they just got 20% basically of their road wins in their first playoff series. You, <laughs> toss it. Right. Toss it. They were, they were awful on the road. It's also, um, uh, this is kind of, I, I don't know if this is like being too much of like an, overreaction or like too much of like a hot take i don't know what it is i'm considering game one kind of a must win mm -hmm. i know it's on the road i know it's in golden state like i get that but the lakers have had six days where like okay they can say that they were game planning for both the kings and warriors but i think like everyone was kind of in agreement that the warriors were probably going to win that series like that was just kind of the 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 talk so i'm sure that was the talk within the team too They've had like six days, five days to game plan for this. And the Warriors had to play a game seven less than 48 hours ago at the time of the game. They will have played like 48 hours ago. Uh, so the Lake, the Warriors have not had any time really to game plan for the Lakers specifically because they were too worried about the Kings. And the Lakers have had the whole weekend pretty much to just sit there and, and plan for the Warriors. And yeah, maybe they were also planning for the Kings, but they had time to sit and plan for the Warriors. So the Lakers have to come out as the more prepared team. And of course, a Steph 50 ball can ruin any game plan. But like, you're the more prepared team. You're the more rested team. I think you have to come out and make a statement and steal one in Golden State. It, it feels like so necessary because if you go down 1-0 and now the Warriors have time to review film and game plan and do all this specifically for you, it it feels like you're you're flirting with trouble there. So Ron I, already. I also sorry, just real quick, just to add on to that. I think once the series starts, it's a game every other day for the entire series. So this yeah. game one is the most rested the Lakers will.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys already answered my next question, but to respond to the initial question, I agree from the standpoint that the regular season wins don't mean anything. I think there's something. So from a process standpoint that you can look at and say, okay, this worked well, we can try to use this. Like for example, Golden State really had a get it personnel matters, but Golden State really struggled at guarding some of the Lakers favorite stuff from their playbook, especially for Anthony Davis. And then some of the things that I want the Lakers to do, which will be in an article on the LakersNation.com website, the live film breakdown, and uh, a video I'm doing on Steph probably coming out tomorrow. They've done those things. So there's reason for optimism. And when you are game plan, you can say, okay, what things do we do? And okay, well, hey, we've done this already. Maybe you refine, obviously refine it. You have some uh, more preparation, like Ron said, like Daniel said, uh, it's, going to be a more loaded scouting report sure but from a process standpoint from the stuff i want them to do they've already done it and they've done it pretty well so that stuff i've taken away the wins honestly mean nothing like if they had won one game but the process still there i would have been happy still but yeah i i do agree that the wins necessarily don't really matter at all so i don't know so then let me ask you this sean from from a coaching perspective coaching perspective um but okay I, I was just curious how darvin ham's lack of experience how that will be matching up with steve kerr in a, in a postseason scenario so uh hot take uh, i guess i'm known for him at this point i'm gonna again piss <laughs> people off from a game plan standpoint i the coaching staff has my trust 
from a game plan standpoint. Post-trade deadline, I liked it a lot. And then that first round series against Memphis, they kind of won me over consistently from a game plan standpoint. The rotations are still a problem. The timeout usage is still a problem. I think that's where you could see the biggest mismatch in terms of coaching with Kerr and, and Darvin. But the chess match, I will say, and you kind of alluded to this, Daniel, the chess match throughout the series is going to be really, really fun to watch. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But yeah. go ahead, Ron. I think Steve Kerr so, is is probably a better coach than Darvin Ham. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. But also, Steve Kerr is just, like, so in tune with his guys that, like, Darvin Ham, he he did have a great first-round series. I thought he planned extremely well for Memphis. I thought the game-to-game adjustments were really solid. Um, you know, John Morant, obviously, like, hurting his hand kind of helped the Lakers. But I felt like outside of that one explosion in game three, I think it was, when the Lakers were pretty much ahead the whole game, I thought the Lakers did a pretty good job with John Morant. Um, their game plan with him was really solid. Um, but I think, like, you're never going to be able to replicate the the – the amount of experience Steve Kerr has with his guys. And so with Darvin Ham, like with, with game planning, you just kind of have to like do the best you can to figure out how to stop, you know, the Warriors at their absolute best. But Steve Kerr is going to have the ace of, I've been working with this core for eight, nine years now, and I, I'm just going to have that over you at all times. Really quick, because I know there's going to be some aggregation or miss. Uh, misunderstanding what I was saying there. Steve Kerr is absolutely a better coach than Darvin Ham. Please, I wanted, to get you, I wanted to get you on the record with that too. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is oh, on man. the record, and also to put it on the record, I think Darvin is average. To be completely honest, I think he's average. Like I don't think he's great. I just don't think he's the worst coach ever, which I get told every day. So that's my standpoint there. But last question before we kind of get into our final series predictions and picks for the series. Is there anything that we haven't necessarily covered yet that is a massive concern for me? Maybe not a massive concern, but something to keep an eye out for heading into this series. Uh, I mean, so, something we haven't really touched on. We touched on how the Lakers are going to match up with the Warriors. But, you know, what about the opposite? Like, if you look at the Lakers starting five, there's outside of Jared Vanderbilt, like there's four real offensive threats in there which means you know Steph and Clay are probably going to be guarding D'Lo and Reeves so how do you make you know those guys work on that and so maybe they're a little more tired on the offensive end you know yeah I I think I think what helps the Warriors defensively is that the Lakers don't they don't necessarily play with pace uh I don't know if we've uh they're they're a little bit slow D'Lo is not the type, and look, I think D'Lo is great. I think he obviously was was good uh, in that game six, was fantastic in that game six. He's not necessarily the type of offensive player I think is going to, like, tire out a defender. Um, he might, like, wear you down mentally by just hitting shot after shot, but he's not really a kind of guy that's going to, like, tire you out defensively. Um, Reeves might do that. He might, like, physically wear you down by just, like, r- unrelenting attack, and I think Dennis Schroeder is the same way. Um, but I think what's really interesting to me is how Kevon Looney and Draymond Green are used. I think, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of both of them on AD. And if Jared Vanderbilt's in the game, the other one of Looney and Draymond is pretty much going to be a free safety defensively. And they're going to go wherever they want. It's probably going to be Draymond who does that with Looney on AD. That feels like how it's going to start. And that's why we talked about Vanderbilt. Like if he's not elite defensively right away, I don't know how this is a Jared Vanderbilt series. I could see him on the bench very quickly. 
because if Draymond Green is allowed to be a free safety and AD isn't completely dominating Kevon Looney, it could get pretty ugly because Draymond Green, if he's if he's free to do whatever, he's going to wreck pretty much anything. Uh, that's just how he is defensively. It's how he's been forever. Um, so that's why it's so important that Jared Vanderbilt is good. That, and that's really what I'm watching for. do whatever got that out Corey um we definitely have not touched on the glass and the rebounding and the fact that Memphis despite being down two of their best rebounders and the best offensive rebounder in the league um well, actually, Kevon Looney might argue that point now. Um, but one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, and they still killed the Lakers on the even in losses, they were still getting multiple chances. And what completely took the sales out of the Kings in game seven was Kevon Looney single handedly getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound after offensive rebound. If that's still in uh, an issue for the Lakers in clearing the glass. It doesn't matter how good defense you play. If Looney's still moving people out of the way and getting those offensive rebounds, the last thing, and it's probably the most disheartening thing in basketball, definitely over this last 25 years probably, is a Warriors miss. You breathe the sigh of relief. Looney gets an offensive rebound, and they kick it out to Steph. And you can just look away at that point because you know the outcome of it. And there's it's – you cannot. It is. It will take the absolute sales out of the entire building. We heard that yesterday in Game Seven. So ensuring that everybody is crashing the glass, and they are putting bodies on Looney. Obviously, Davis is not Sabonis. He's not just going to get moved out of the way the way Sabonis did that entire series. But if we have, we'll probably do two of those iffy AD not completely locked in games that we saw. And and you can't afford to give away games like that to a team like the Warriors that just feeds off this. They've been here. Nothing is going to be afraid of them. You can't let up. Oh, we have this lead. We're at home now. They don't care. Go look back how many times the Warriors went on the road in, in a bad situation, a must-win situation, and dominate. There's nothing that's going to be afraid of them. So, um, But to me, definitely – making sure they are cleaning the glass and not giving Golden State those extra opportunities because those are the ones that are just completely demoralized the team. Yeah. yeah and and even, even a guy like Wiggins, sorry, just to add to that real quick, a guy like Wiggins crashes the glass offensively too. So if LeBron's yeah. on him or if Bando, whoever's on him, you got to make sure he box out because, you know, with high volume three-point shooting, there's going to be a lot of long rebounds. And, and like Corey said, that's an, a very easy way uh, to get demoralized against this team for sure. Yeah, and to Ron's point about Vando, that's been really frustrating to watch offensively, them not really figure out how to utilize Vando, which is kind of easy. Just pair him with the shooter. Like, the, the problem with Malik Beasley, and I'm, I'm not advocating for Malik Beasley minutes. Trust me, I'm not. But I'm not, I promise you. But if you had paired John's Vando got some with wild Beasley, pull quotes in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you, like, paired Vando and Beasley together, you could – if you utilize them properly, you could kill two birds with one stone. Utilize Vando as a screener for Beasley. So, one, you kind of attack how teams are going to guard Vando, not guarding him. And two, you get Beasley open looks off of off screens where he's like a 45% three-point shooter off of off screens as a Laker. 
uh, where it's like 30%, maybe 32% on spot up looks. So I'm not advocating for Beasley minutes, but I'm just saying the fact that it's frustrating that they haven't figured out how to properly use Vando offensively to where he might not be able to play, especially if you aren't sold on him guarding Steph. I'm definitely not sold on him guarding Clay. Um, all right. Or you can sprinkle some of that Steph Curry prayer on Jared Vanderbilt to two corner threes every game like you did that in game four. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There we go. Real quick, if if Beasley continues this awful slide, do we toss out Lonnie Walker for a couple yeah. minutes to see if he has something? Corey, you look like every mention of all of our tweets ever. <laughs> no, because I didn't mention Mo Bamba. So, or wait, worse, Tristan Thompson. Forgot about. Let that me, guy. yeah, let me just get out ahead of that. This is not a Mo Bamba series. Let me just I get agree. out ahead of that right now. I'm not. We should not be expecting to see Mo Bamba in this series. You mean the high-paced Warriors with three of like the <laughs> ten best shooters in the league is not a series for our slow seven-foot backup center? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so he's not a physical presence in the paint and would rather hang around the three-point line. Fascinating. <laughs> Shocker. All right. Final thing before we get out of here. We're going to make our picks. Uh, we can go Corey, Dan, then Ron, and then I'll round it out. Uh, Corey, what's your final or your final pre-series pick heading into this one? <sighs> um. I asked for this, and hopefully I don't end up like Dylan Brooks by the end of this series. Um, Steph scares Steph scared the crap out of me before he dropped 50 in the most important game on the road in a hostile environment. He scares me even more. Um, Steve Kerr versus Darvin Ham matchup scares the crap out of me. Um, and all that being said, I feel like this is the matchup that the Lakers need in order for like LeBron and AD. Like this is the kind of thing where AD knows oh, I'm going up because Draymond, I can't, I can't let up because Draymond's here because Steph's here. I think where you can other matchups, you can kind of coast a little bit. And eh, I'm not sure if they're going to, he knows this is the championship warriors. And if we're getting one, three, if we're getting odd game, odd number game, AD for a full series, that's the difference maker. Um, Lakers and six. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Daniel. Uh, uh, let me just go on record as saying that I was on the opposite end of Corey. I I thought the Kings were a much easier matchup here, um, so I I am a little terrified here just for all the reasons he laid out, laid out. You know, Steph Curry, 
Uh, Clay could get hot at any time. Jordan Poole, like I said, probably got one 30-point game in, in him there somewhere, even if he's been really bad. Um, with all that said, though, I do think there are – you know, matchups for the Lakers to exploit here. I do think they're a much more physical team. And and I think it's going to be a much different series than what we just saw with Memphis. Like that was two very physical teams. I, I think this is going to be a, def, a very different brand of basketball. And if the Lakers could exploit those matchups inside, if they could get, you know, Looney and Draymond in foul trouble, um, I, I think they can have a lot of success. I do think the advantage is for the Lakers in game one, because they're going to have a lot of rest. So um, I, I'm going I'm to end up agreeing with Corey, although for different reasons, but I'm going to say Lakers in six. Um, I think the Lakers home court advantage is is a real thing we've seen uh, so far in this postseason. They haven't lost at home and, and Ron can attest like the crowds have been insane at those games. Um, so I, I think that's a factor, too. So I'll say Lakers in six. Oh, man. See, here's the thing. I don't oh, want to just God. say the same thing as everybody else. I want to be different, of course. <laughs> Um, Ron's going to pull something out and say Warriors in five and <laughs> <Just> immediately <laughs> Nuggets in four <laughs> Nuggets in four uh, no, I, I think I think Lakers in six is like a, a fair prediction I I want to like I want, I'm just going to stick with what I put originally which now that I'm looking at it I don't know why I put this originally I don't have a thought process behind it I had Lakers in seven um, and I think that's just because I trust LeBron in Game 7s above all else, which is ridiculous when Steph Curry literally just had the most points in a Game 7 in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I'm sticking with. I think I, I think these are two really evenly matched teams. Um, they, they do, uh, you know, different things very well, and I think both teams can look at this series and be like, oh, we have mismatches we can exploit here. Um, and so I think that's the makings of a great playoff series is – what buttons are pushed at the right time. Um, and I think the button that matters above all else is I'm LeBron James button that he can press at any time. Um, and so I think if it came down to it in a game seven, uh, I would trust LeBron uh, over the home Warriors. So I'm going. Le- Lakers and right seven. The prediction. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Gotcha. Did, did I did I get lost? Did I get lost? You, yeah. You said my but, prediction is, and then it froze. <laughs> uh, that's great. My prediction is Lakers in seven. There you go. It, it, your connection tried to stop you from saying something tragic, like Warriors in seven or anything Warriors related. It was saving you from yourself there, Ron. But, I thought you were going to go Lakers uh, in five. I was really ready for you to just I, go full just, Lakers in five. I was oh, full man. turn. Like, talking all this about how evenly matched it is. I'm like, and that's why Lakers in a sweep. Lakers <laughs> <Yeah>. in five. <laughs> um, I'm going to preface this by saying, in agreement with Ron, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be really, really fun. Probably the best second round series, in my opinion. Um, I'm also going to preface this with, I feel as good as you can feel about facing Steph Curry's seven-game playoff series. Uh, I think the Lakers have the best shot at, in air quotes, slowing down Steph Curry. Um, I'm going Lakers in six. I think they match up well with Golden State. Already done some things. I'll go into more detail over the next 24 hours or whatever that I think and I hope they will continue to do. Obviously, you have the chest with Steve Kerr and Darvin Ham. Darvin, don't lose it by a ton. We'll be fine. Just like don't get shredded and we'll be okay. 
Um, but all, you have the LeBron James element, like Ron said. AD being AD, if he could do that consistently, maybe instead of having two terrible games, let's have one bad game. Just cut it down to one, you know, make sure the, the one is in a loss or actually hopefully in a win. He play like AD the rest <laughs> of the way. But all seriousness, the data in the film that I've seen, it looks really encouraging. Steph Curry factor is real. So he's having an unreal run, but Lakers in six. I feel as good as you can feel right now. But, but yeah, right. but surely this will not backfire on all of us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but above all else, guys, it's still it's still Nuggets in five. Uh, above all, else. Uh, there you go. All right, above all, comes down to it. Goes without saying. <laughs> Let's make sure we don't bring Ron on for a Lakers Nuggets series. Let's make sure that that. Yeah, happens. I would be honest. In my in my pre playoff prediction, I had Nuggets Lakers in the conference finals, and I said Nuggets in five. So like it's five. Wow. So five. Don't, wow. I'll, I'll, I can explain why if you let me on the the preview show for that series. Uh, no, I'll know we'll about that one. I could. We'll see. No. But. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Corey, for hopping on here. So it's a ton of fun talking Lakers for 40 minutes or whatever. Subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell for more. Go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. Great way to help out the show. Till next time, stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.